Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. And with today's episode, we're teaming with PRC. This podcast is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Healthcare Experience Matters. Today is a topic about compassion and the importance of leading with compassion. So Katie Owens is joining us for today's episode. She is the co-founder and president here at the Healthcare Experience Foundation. So let's get this started on a very familiar topic with the Healthcare Experience Foundation, of course, all the great work done with compassionate leadership. So let's just start it out by defining compassionate leadership. Katie, how would you define it? Hi, Casey. Good afternoon or good morning to everyone. Uh, You know, when we embarked on compassionate leadership in partnership with the Maryland Healthcare Education Institute, I don't think we could have ever imagined the degree of of interest and, and enthusiasm across the healthcare workforce, across leader, staff, and physicians. And, you know, when we look at the attributes and definitions of compassionate leadership, compassionate leaders, they're self-motivated. They're able to influence employees and, and medical staff positively. There's somebody that's looked towards as, as embracing and accomplishing long-term trusting relationships, a collaborative environment. They're considered morally strong with an ethical code of conduct. They take responsibility for mistakes and aims to rebuild and learn from those mistakes with that growth orientation. And they have that ability through, you know, empathetic approaches to think about likely needs, wants, and emotions of somebody else, and then take steps to activate compassion to make their team, their patients, their internal, external customers feel safe, secure, and comfortable at work. Okay. Now I want to think a little bit about a scenario talking about a management style where someone is very direct and maybe not showing much compassion. Perhaps it is getting results, um, but again, it might be a problem. So let's talk about that. What is the importance of leading with compassion? And why is it, you know, why are those alternative maybe leadership styles a little bit of something to watch out for. You know, Casey, I think so many times when you, when some leaders hear the word compassionate leadership, they think, gosh, compassion is a core part of our mission. And many times when we back that up and we, we thread that we're so focused on compassionate interactions with patients and family members, we skip over the profound importance of being compassionate as leaders to our workforce There was a really brilliant article done by um, Harvard Business Review in 2021 looking at why do we need to rediscover joy and compassion at work. And the reality is over the last three years in different forms and fashion, we've all experienced kind of four big themes, sustained sustained stress and sadness, being inauthentic, especially for leaders, that there was incongruency. I'm not okay, but I'm going to pretend to be okay because I've sort of grown up in this mentality of suck it up buttercup. And the longer that discontinuity occurs for for ourselves as leaders, the more and more negative or detrimental impact that has to our well-being. 
We've also seen leaders not playing to our strengths. Think about how many ways your teams have been redeployed, jumping in into patient care, vaccines, check-ins, COVID testing, redeployments, and then perceived and actual social isolation. And we have seen this in so many big ways, even among physicians, where because of social distancing requirements and and, um, for all the right reasons, the inability to get together in person, we've sort of become, you know, very siloed and albeit a bit lonely. And so from a compassionate leadership standpoint, it doesn't absolve us from, you know, our accountability to performance results, but it does mandate us to see and treat people in a way that recognizes their likely needs, wants, and emotions and compels us to acknowledge that those are real and important and it influences our leadership style as as servant leaders is likely the most dominant attribute where compassionate leadership lives. Katie, and I know you're a big reader. I personally enjoy to read as well as I think many of our listeners do. And I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey's 1989 classic self-help book. So what are some of the habits of compassionate leadership? If you were to write a book on some of the effective habits of compassionate leaders, what would be in that book? You know, from our from our own work through the Compassionate Leadership Certificate Program, and Katrina Coleman does this brilliantly during um, her building block on leading with compassion. You know, there's seven big things that we've seen: adaptability, authenticity, balance, which which is at its core is based on acknowledgement of the importance of self-compassion, can the ability to connect and seek collaboration, focus. Um, And and that dedication of the task at hand, humor, and sometimes even a self-deprecating sense of humor and and a tolerance for mistakes. And I think so many times when you hear that in healthcare, we think, gosh, we have to be perfect. And and yes, we are a highly complex systematic environment, which demands a level of commitment to zero harm. And yet we are also highly evolved social creatures and we make mistakes. And compassionate leaderships recognize that mistakes are part of the learning journey. So what are some of the obstacles to compassion that it's important for us to highlight in this discussion so listeners are aware of them? Sure. So whether we're working on compassionate leadership or restoring compassion in our patient encounters, the the biggest obstacles that we've seen in the research uh, are, are our own compassion fatigue, stress and burnout. When we feel that we have conflicting priorities, maybe I have to be so financially focused, I feel like it's working against my desire to be compassionate. Challenging team members, you know, we get thrown into these difficult conversations. And if we're not careful, we feel like that, you know, all of our compassionate air has left the room. Sometimes perceived incongruency with our organizational goals and then the complexity of patient care situations all play a role, but probably the most dominant thing that we've seen in the research, and this is borne out in our day-to-day coaching, is the perception that I don't have time. And in the brilliant book, Compassionomics, um, the authors did a, a really nice job at, at looking at the research in terms of how much time does it is it required to give a compassionate response? And the reality is in a given interaction, and I'm summarizing a whole body of research here, is about 40 seconds. 
just taking that opportunity to narrate and acknowledge somebody else's emotions with a genuine offer to help. It doesn't mean we can necessarily change it, but it means I see you and you are important to me and I'm going to act accordingly only takes a matter of of a few dozen seconds. And I know we talk a lot about non-negotiables when it comes to creating compassion. So what is that and how does it apply to today's conversation? Gosh, non-negotiables have been a cornerstone of our work for many, many years. And when it is applied to compassionate leadership, it elevates our expectations for group and team norms. And these are things that you can't just go into your office, shut the door and on a whiteboard say, these are the new ways we're going to behave to demonstrate compassion. This has to be done in a team-based environment where there is collaboration between a leader and their direct reports or between departments and how we're going to establish our norms for how we're going to work together. And they, they set the stage and they reduce ambiguity to build these always expectations. They're defined expectations. It means that we're going to be, despite our span of control, maybe you're doing this at an institution level, maybe you're doing this in your own department. But what it does is it says, this is how we're going to role model compassion in our interactions. And it's a huge source of motivation for change because we start to get that cohesion. I want to ask you about a quote and get your kind of feedback on it. Um, There is a Gandhi quote out there that has him saying, compassion is a muscle that gets stronger with use. What are your thoughts on that? Do you find that to be true? You know, I think that acknowledges we're going to have our good days and we're going to have our bad days. And, you know, Simon Sinek also talks about different, you know, establishing different leadership habits. And he's got a, a great story somewhere around, if you go to the gym once, you're not going to see a big difference. If you go to the gym every day for six weeks, you're going to see a difference. If you go to the gym every day for six months to a year, you're going to see a difference. And on that one year, if you miss a day, but you go back the next day, you're going to continue to see that difference. And I think what what your, your lead-in quote was about is, we're going to show up some days and really own it and do our best and be present and narrate our, our caring. And then there's going to be the days where we're a little short fused, where maybe we had something going on at home and we just need to call our own pause and walk ourselves back and say, I'm going to do better tomorrow. And I'm going to own the influence that I bring into this space. All right. Katie Owens, co-founder, president of the Healthcare Experience Foundation, is our guest on today's episode of the Healthcare Experience Matters podcast. And I want to wrap things up here by giving you kind of a final question about if you had any other things to add when it comes to the benefits of compassionate leadership or just anything else valuable in general you want to leave um, this today's discussion uh, telling us about. You know, at this point, there are two cohorts of uh, our Compassionate Leadership Certificate Program. I'm really humbled by the response of those individuals who have graduated, and, and we've probably graduated almost uh, 225 people at this point in time. And from time to time, I, I get these great little gifts in my inbox around leaders and, and how they're approaching self-compassion differently. And What I would just encourage everyone who is listening to this podcast thinking, well, gosh, I'm already compassionate. 
here's here's the the prevailing research is that 92% of employees are asking for more compassionate in their work environment. And so I would just suggest some reflective practice on when are we at our best? When are we not? Where are our gaps? And let's acknowledge them with the commitment to moving forward. I totally agree with that. And I will also remind listeners that we have some other great episodes on the Healthcare Experience Matters podcast regarding compassionate leadership. Um, There's plenty that will be linked to today's podcast in the description. Um, An intro to compassionate leadership with Nita McGee comes up, Why Compassion is Needed Now with Kathleen Lynham, and Mental Health Tips for Busy Practitioners, another episode with Nita McGee. So I will make sure to include links to all those great episodes in case you want to learn more. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. With today's episode teaming with PRC, To learn more, visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.